always green around the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Glad you're tuning into Green and Growing. I certainly appreciate you being right here on 95.5 WSB. No matter how you're listening, whether it's to the radio, in your car, you've got the WSB radio app on your phone, and you're out walking like Mary listening to us, or even on your laptop, wsbradio.com, and you click uh, listen live. And there's a podcast of the show, which is kind of cool, commercial-free, and you can listen to each individual hour later in the day. Um, so if you knew something, oh, I heard her say something at 7.45 that I wanted to, to hear back, uh, you can listen to each hour individually, commercial-free, on wsbradio.com. Just click on On Demand, and there we have most of our shows. Um, and also, like, Spotify, Google Play, that's kind of cool to see my my face on Spotify. That was a shock to me when I saw that, oh, my God, the show that I do in Atlanta is on Spotify for people to hear like all over the country. And I think I have Andrew on the Facebook page who listens from Long Island, New York, or Anthony. Um, so that's really cool. You just never know. David in California is on hold, so I really appreciate all of that and try to give the best gardening advice possible. 404-872-0750. And I always appreciate when people who know more than I do about certain things call to weigh in, and I think that's what Stan in Sweetwater, Tennessee, is calling to do to talk about Bermuda. Hey, Stan, welcome to the show. Good morning, Ashley. Pleasure once again to speak with you. Yeah, I'm glad you called. And so from what I was gathering from DeMarco, who you spoke with a few moments ago, um, you may have a, a little more advice for Mike, who we talked to in the last hour in Noonan, and he was talking about how he had, you know, overseeded with ryegrass and his Bermuda and stuff's just a little splotchy and patchy. Did you have some thoughts on that? Well, the, first, I, I didn't really understand whether or not he said he had put down Bermuda grass uh, along with the rye and of course uh, as cold as it is the bermuda is not going to come up it's way too early mm -hmm. but when he was talking about the uh spiking i am assuming he was talking about spiking as a form of aeration yeah there. i thought so too yeah and i, I ha having been in this business for quite a while i can tell you that you know the spiking the analogy i use uh, ashley is spiking when when you take your finger and push it into a glass full of sand, mm -hmm. all you do is compact that sand harder against the sides mm -hmm. of that glass. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of aeration is to relieve compaction. A lot of people think aeration is to let water get down in there, and it's not. It's primarily for the oxygen. And when you remove that core, you allow the, the moisture as well as the oxygen to get to that root zone and you relieve the compaction, and that's what the purpose of the aeration is for. And so, therefore, when you're using one of those spike aerators, you're not really benefiting the soil at all. You may be creating a slight seed bed, but generally with Bermuda, all you have to do is when you just rake the top of the ground and lightly rake it in, however you do it, whether you do it by hand or whatever, um, that would be the way that you would want to handle your your Bermuda grass. And now's also a wonderful time. We're coming into the time um, your Bermuda is totally dormant. So if you didn't use a pre-emergent this year, you've got weeds in your grass right now, maybe some crabgrass from last year. Oh, yeah, any type of uh, glyphosate, uh, Roundup being the, the primarily known uh, product, but any product with glyphosate, and there's a lot cheaper than the big name brand. 
Um, but right now, while the grass is dormant, you can mix that and spray that over the top of your Bermuda. It'll take probably two weeks at least right now because of cold weather. Roundup and glyphosate generally works better at above 65, but it will work at this time of year. So as we come into the spring, before it starts to green back up, feel free to spray it with Roundup. You're not going to hurt the Bermuda at all unless it had started greening up. But you can take any weed, broadleaf, it doesn't matter. You can take that out with glyphosate right now. And so I would suggest that if you haven't cleaned your Bermuda up, put that on your calendar before it starts greening up when the, when the uh, weed and the uh, crabgrass starts to germinate as our ground gets warmer. Uh-huh. Uh, now's a great time to take those weeds out. And it's a little early for aeration. The ground is probably still frozen. But once the ground gets warmer, um, and you can aerate it. A good core aeration, uh, either you can uh, rent from a rental company, those aerators, they run themselves. Um, maybe a little difficult to make a turn, but do an excellent <laughs> job. Uh-huh. And that's what, if you've run one, Ashley, you know how hard they are. I, I have watched my husband and my dad do it, and all I did was carry them beers. I was not part of the process, but it looked awful. <laughs> Well, well, the one thing about the aerator I always told everybody is if you ever stumble with it, turn it loose because it will drag you across the yard. Oh, no kidding. Wow. Well, Stan, that's some really good advice. You're right. It's key. You know, people wanted to really do some some weed treatments before the grasses went dormant. And we always say, no, no, no. I mean, it's got to be mostly dormant, these warm season grasses, before it is safe to apply like a glyphosate kind of product, like you're saying. But it's going to work a little more slow. Uh, slowly in the winter time, so be patient. You know, like you said, it could take two weeks. You know, the temperatures are so low, but that will have an impact on some of the weeds. And give me the rule um, again for the pre-emergent because we want to get ahead. And also, like Mike's call was about too, the ryegrass. Some of those seeds didn't germinate, you know, this winter, but they're laying there. They're going to stay in that soil for 12 months, and some will come back around. And maybe if he wants to choke out that rye. The Bermuda's getting stronger and there just wasn't the need for it. Some of these pre-emergent treatments, that's also going to, you know, fight that back a little bit. But tell me once more about pre-emergent treatment on Bermuda and the timeline. Well, if you're going to if you're going to use your pre-emergent, you definitely want to have it down. In, uh, in Georgia, when I had my company there, I always wanted to have my pre-emergent down no later than mid-March because once the ground starts to warm up, Uh, And you'll get different opinions on this, 55 to 65 degrees. But once the weed seeds and the crabgrass start germinating at that time, you would have wanted to have your pre-emergent down prior to that. And again, for the Georgia, for the Atlanta area, mid-March is when I always put mine down. Some people stretch it out a little further. But if you're in mid-March, you'll be sure to make sure that you have your pre-emergent down prior to anything germinating. And and if you haven't cleaned it up by now or prior to that, again, you can clean it up. And when you're buying your glyphosate, do check around. Now that uh, the the patent has been lifted, glyphosate is available um, in other uh, trade names. And you can find it at Tractor Supply, or I don't think y'all have a rural king there, but you know, I purchased glyphosate for $40 for two and a half gallons. And believe me, for the homeowner, that will last you yeah, years. Yeah, for sure. 
So uh, I would highly suggest checking around. Um, I don't know if I can list the name brand on here that I have found, uh, but um, Tractor Supply and Real King both. If you're looking for glyphosate, just tell them you're looking for glyphosate in the $40 range, and they will give you that product name. I won't name it on here, Wonderful. but there are several. There's several of them there for $40, like I said, for two and a half gallons, and you can mix that at around two to three ounces per gallon to kill anything that's in your Bermuda mm-hmm. up prior yeah. to uh, the germination of the Bermuda. Well, and with any turf grass too, you know, we're thinking the stronger it is and the happier it is and the more lush it is, it's going to have the ability to choke out the weeds and, you know, to keep those things at bay. But we've got to get on track to getting that to the right place where it needs to be with the proper fertilization regimen, with the proper water supply and all of that. So in the meantime, everything Stan is saying is spot on about post-emergent treating the weeds that you see and pre-emergent applications. Because once you do see those spring weeds, well, the pre-emergent didn't work because those seeds were able to germinate. Okay, so Stan, thank you very, very much for calling. And I do look forward to hearing from you uh, quite a bit more in the spring. And like I said, man, if you hear me say something that's just not quite right, uh, I love that you would call, set us straight, share your wealth of knowledge in the turf grass industry with folks, too. And everything Stan's saying, too, is spot on as far as timing for these things. And if your head's spinning or maybe you didn't have Bermuda, but you're like, why didn't they talk about my kind of grass? I've got zoysia. I've got fescue. I've got centipede. I've got something else. WalterReeves.com. When you go to Walter's website, I'm not reinventing the wheel. That website is nationally known to be very comprehensive. WalterReeves.com. Type in lawn care calendar. And when you do that, you're going to come up with every grass that grows well in Georgia as turf and the calendar for it. Literally one page that you can print out shows you January through December, keep you on track about what you need to be doing and at what time. And yeah, stands spot on with talking about that pre-emergent application no later than maybe mid-March, core aeration and things like that, best done in the summertime, you know, May or June for Bermuda grass and all the other grasses so you can keep up with what you're doing. So I appreciate that so much, Stan. All right, we're going to talk to Chris and Decula next, but first we've got to take a break and check traffic and weather, and we'll be right back to Green and Growing on WSB. on your Saturday morning. Really glad each and every one of you is here. Thank you for listening for the next little bit. And then Dave Baker is going to shove me out, like literally shove me out of the studio at 8.58 to make way for the uh, Home Fix It show from 9 to noon. But right now you're waking up to some sunshine. It's a little overcast, mostly cloudy the rest of the day. High of 51 and uh, low of 42 tomorrow. Morning showers, 80% chance and then getting into more clouds on Monday. But we'll see the sun by Tuesday morning. All of that and a, a complete forecast coming up from Channel 2 Action News. Meteorologist Brad Nitz in for Kirk Mellish this weekend. So to follow up on Stan's call, I love it. But I have heard from a couple of folks since then. Uh, Clint Waltz checked back in. Our turf grass specialist from the University of Georgia has been on the show a number of times. And Cornelius on Facebook, too, both saying glyphosate, yeah, use it. But use it sparingly. Um, some homeowners just may be apt to make more mistakes when we go crazy with a glyphosate product. Um, okay to use on dormant grass, but spot treat the weeds that you see now. Don't go crazy and broadcast spray it. Um, test that too. And glyphosate, Clint Waltz says, you know, could could very well kill Bermuda grass. Yeah, 
uh, maybe not with one application, but just set it back in a sense. So just a word of warning about glyphosate. Um, it's it's good for some things, but don't don't overdo it. I like manual removal, man, especially in dormant lawn. When I can see those weeds, go yank them up. It's good exercise. All right, as promised, next we go out to Decula, one of my favorite towns in Gwinnett County, and say good morning to Chris. Hey there. Hey, Ashley. How are you this morning? Really good. I'm glad you called back. What's going on? Well, I went and took your advice, and I had my nephew come out and check those Leland Cypress trees that I to- that I, you told me about with the disease mm-hmm. on the branches and everything. And he recommended that we go ahead and take them down before the disease got into the trunk of the tree. Well, yesterday he started taking them down, and we're talking the biggest Leland Cypress split into four different trunks, and I can't even get my arms around it. That's how big it is. Oh, my goodness. But um, the main trunk looks great, but the three smaller trunks that are coming off of it, Mm -hmm. the disease has already gotten into the bark, and it's getting into the, uh, I guess, the the pulp of the tree, the inside, inside the bark. Okay. So it's a really good thing that I called you and asked you about that. And I just wanted to call back and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I can't follow up very well on Mary's call because she did an awesome job. But um, I just wanted to call back and say thank you for letting me know about this because these trees, this main one is about 80 feet tall. And um, I'd rather it come down the way we want it to than to come down on our homes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. And with the storms we had earlier this week, Chris, you couldn't be more right. Yeah. What, what Chris is referring to with Leland Cypress, they are prone, commonly known to have uh, canker as some of their diseases. And when we first get indications of that, you'll see branches browning. And that's one of those things you get in there and you can really see there's two different kinds of canker and the way they appear either on the trunk or on the branches are a little bit different. Um, So really, you know, the best control for them is keeping those trees properly irrigated, especially when you're trying to establish new evergreens and cypress trees and things like that. Water is so important to helping them establish, but at least knocking back the canker a little bit is proper irrigation and make sure they're getting watered properly. But uh, I think my advice to Chris, if I remember correctly, uh, a little a little while ago was when you start to see some of those dead brown branches in the Leland Cypress, you can cut the branches away. And then the importance of sanitizing the the loppers or the pruners as you make each cut so that you don't, you know, expand more cankers to different parts of the tree and all of that. So yeah, I mean, that would be so dangerous to split and fall on the house or something like that. Chris, really thanks for uh Thanks for your belief in me, and thanks for calling back to, to give me some good news that I gave you some good advice. I really appreciate that. All right, I want to set Pike and Kennesaw straight about how much to cut back a Confederate jasmine. I've got some advice on that. Best plants for apartment balconies. Some of you could weigh in on that for David in California. And Derek in Winston, watering plants with fresh water versus rainwater, if that makes a difference. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, I use... Um, a uh, oh my gosh a de uh, a dehumidifier in the basement making sure I've used the right word I've got a dehumidifier in the basement it stays really damp down there 
and whether or not it's okay to use that water that it's just pulling from the air, using that to water some of the pots outside, sure. So, And we'll be along with Pike Nursery here in less than 10 minutes to talk about an exciting plant that you can find there right now. Stay tuned. You're listening to WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Coming up on 8.36 on 95.5 WSB. Glad you're here for the last half hour of the show. We've got a lot more calls to get to, plus Pike Nursery. So I am happy that she is back on the show. Once again, my houseplant go-to for sure. Kara Mulvey, the manager of the Holcomb Bridge Pike Nursery. Hey, good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? Welcome back. Doing really well. So houseplants, that's an appropriate thing to talk about right now. And Kara, that was in my to-do list too, you know, for folks to, they're not doing a whole lot outside right now. So pay attention to your houseplants, you know, make sure they're getting the right water and the right sun that they need and all of that. And uh, there are quite a few at Pike Nursery right now. Yes, we have a huge selection right now um, of anything from aglaonema to sansevera to even succulents. Ah, succulents are so fun. I've got a cool little one. And correct me if I'm wrong, we're, we're going to be talking about types that are maybe, you know, better for houseplants. But some yeah. of them, is it going to be okay if we get a succulent now and we baby it and we enjoy the different colors inside and move it out? side you know maybe in the summertime maybe not in direct sunlight but is that okay to do because i think succulents seem to me pretty pretty tolerant of heat and less water right yes uh you can move them outside and they can eventually take some full sun you just have to gradually do it especially because they've been grown indoor well they've been grown in a greenhouse and then they've been grown um in your home so you can put them in direct sun you just have to gradually put them in that direct sun but they love the heat they love the summer heat um and they'll do fantastic outside in the summertime and you talk about them being grown in the greenhouses which this is really cool but over a year ago when i started developing this show i was able to come to y'all's farm there in marietta behind the pike location there off i think it's like roswell road 120 but a lot of the succulents if not all are grown right there in marietta for the nurseries aren't they yeah that's correct um all of our succulents are actually grown at the marietta pike farm how fun all right so give us some ideas some names maybe of the kinds of succulents we can kind of keep an eye out for um so you have a bunch of different types of succulents um some great ones that are great to have in the house is like a chrysula or a jade plant. You have echeveria. Um, most people call them hens and chicks. Mm-hmm. Um, Hostoria or a zebra plant. Um, those are really cool. They have really good texture to them. Coancho, that's one of your blooming succulents. Um, you get them in red, yellow, pink, um, even white sometimes. And those are just pretty to kind of brighten up the color. Um, and they are blooming in mm-hmm stores right now. Wow, those um, are fun. Yeah, you have your sedums. Probably those are your most popular because there are some hardy sedums that could live outside in Georgia year-round. Mm-hmm. They will die back in the wintertime, but then they'll come back and flush out in the spring and summertime. 
Yeah, Autumn Joy is definitely the one that I've seen on my friend's back deck, and she's had it for years. Huge, huge pot, and she does what she yeah. can to shelter it a little bit in the wintertime, but it doesn't seem to phase it. Yeah, if you have, like, a dry area, um, there's that, and then there's lemon ball sedum. That does well outside. Um, you can use that as a ground cover, and it gets a really, really bright green in the summertime. And a lot of these, you know, we don't want to just stick with something like cactus, you know, and think it's all green. Like you're saying, there are some that flower and they're just all different colors, too. So you can really kind of mix up your your indoor houseplant collection, throw in some color in there. Yeah. And you can even mix in like Sansevera with it. They'll do really well with succulents if you wanted to give it some height. Um, Sansevera is also called snake plant and you can get like a variegated variety of that. And it has a little bit of yellow, and it'll really complement the other succulents as well. All right. So when we buy a little pot, some of these are like tiny, tiny little pots or maybe a little bit bigger, depending on the succulent that you get at Pike Nursery. When we bring it home in that pot, then where do we start? What do we need to do? Do we need to repot it? And what is it like? You do want to repot them eventually. They do have a very small root system. So don't if you get just one, you don't want to go too much bigger than the pot they're already in. Um, because they do have really small root systems, um, and you can that tends to lead to overwatering. But when you repot them, you want to use a cactus soil, and we finally have large bags of cactus soil if you um, do a lot of them. And um, you want to repot it in the cactus mix, well-draining soil. You don't want something that has, like, the hole plugged at the bottom because you don't want any water sitting at that bottom of the pot. Mm-hmm. So the way we can identify a succulent, we know that they have maybe a little more fleshy leaves because they hold the water there in the leaves and in the stems. That's kind of how we know that they're a succulent. And since they have the ability to retain that moisture in the leaves, we don't have to water them as often. But like I was saying earlier in the show, too, stick your finger in the soil and let it dry out in between waterings. We don't want to overwater succulents. Um, and then as far as fertilizer go, if we're going to keep them in the house, you know, 12 months out of the year, Kara, what are we looking at as, as fertilizer? They don't need a lot of fertilizer, um, but in the spring and summer, we do carry, um, it's called Grow More Cactus Juice. You can use that to fertilize them with, um, but definitely make sure you let those succulents dry out in between waterings. Picking up the pot and feeling the weight of the pot is probably your best option. And every succulent's going to dry out differently. Um, Like jade plants, they don't dry out as quick, and they can actually go into a little bit of lower light. So if you don't have that super, super bright light that succulents really need, um, you can do jade plants, and they can actually go in a little bit lower light, like medium light. Okay, so jade plants and those too, if you have a friend that has a jade plant or someone, you get yours from Pike Nursery and someone sees it, that's easy to propagate. And like you're saying, we've got um, hens and chicks. And also, you know one, Kara, that despite my best efforts, I haven't really tried to do it on purpose, but a succulent that I have and have had for years that will not die, aloe. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes, aloe's great. And aloe has so many, make sure it does say that it's medicinal because there's so many different varieties of aloe. If you're wanting to use like the aloe vera juice inside of it, 
make sure it just says for medicinal use. Yeah, cut that cut that leaf open and kind of scrape it with a knife to get some of the aloe in there. But if you have a, a brown thumb, like a lot of you tell me you do, why don't you start with aloe or a succulent? Because that's really going to be something that you're able to keep alive, I promise. Yes. And you're going to be really proud. Okay, well, how do we find out more and how do we find pike locations, Kara? You can go on our website at pikenursery.com, and you can either come in store or you can still order online. All of our store locations do online orders. Yeah, see, that's so convenient. And then a delivery, depending on where you live, or even curbside pickup for some of these bigger things that you just want ready for you right there when you pull up, and a Pike Associate will be happy to help load up the car. Yeah. All right. Oh, Kara Mulvey from the Holcomb Bridge Pike Nursery. Good to have you back, and I look forward to talking with you again real soon about some other exciting houseplants. Of course. Thank you so much, Ashley. Thank you. Glad you called. I always love talking to Kara about just exciting houseplants. She knows each and every one, so that's really fun. 404-872-0750. Now, Pike in Kennesaw. Hey, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Ashley. Hey there. What's going on? Uh I have some Confederate jasmine. It's four years old, mm-hmm. and it's starting to get real spindly at the top. And I'm wanting to know if I can cut it back, am I going to hurt it? Because it has a real milky sap that comes out of it. And I'm afraid I'm going to hurt it if I cut it. Now, so when it's when it's like that, cut back some of the older canes if you can get in there and really see the older canes. Uh, you'll get more blooms on the new ones. So at this point, some of those are just not really serving any purpose. Um, stuff that I've read, Pike, I'm going to give you two different ways here. Some things that I've read is really a good time, like early spring, like March may be a good time to control it. But I'm not going to doubt the expertise of Mickey Gasaway because she's been super successful with Confederate Jasmine, has had it for years. It has always worked for her to cut it back in summer after it blooms. So maybe that's going to be the best time to kind of get it in check and really push it back a little bit. After it blooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because now right. if it's got buds and things on it and we want to see all that in the spring, we don't want to you know, be cutting those off. But some is good to do in March if you need to do some. And like I said, selective pruning with the older canes maybe. All righty. Well, thank you, ma'am. Very, I sure appreciate it. Yeah, I'm really glad you called, Pike. Thank you very much. Good to hear from you. Up next, Colin from Sugar Hill. Man, the Gwinnett area has been popular this morning. Say good morning to Shannon. Hey, welcome to Green and Growing. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. I love what you're calling about right now. You and I are are kindred spirits because what do you have? (laughs) I have a one-year-old Great Dane who gets the zoomies in the backyard. (laughs) So I have a four-year-old Great Dane, and she still gets zoomies. I mean, I take her for a walk, and I think that's sufficient for her exercise. But at the end, she comes back down the driveway. I let her off the leash, and oh, my God, she's torn up my grass. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every time. We can take her on an hour-long walk. It doesn't matter how long. She's going to come in the backyard, and she's going to run around like a crazy woman. <laughs> so what's, what's the name of your one-year-old Great Dane? Her name is Poppy. Oh, my God. How cute. And what color, I have to ask? She is uh, mantle, so she's black and white. Beautiful. Okay. Well, what color is yours? Shadow is all black except for a white patch on her chest. And when you look, oh, cool. I, I should post this on the Facebook page. It's really cool. We noticed when she was a puppy, this white patch on her chest is exactly in the shape of a cat. 
It's, a cat. Yeah, I was expecting a, you to say a heart, but a no, cat. No, it is a, is a cat sitting upright. You can make out the ears and the tail hanging off the bottom of the cat. It's wild. So she has a cute oh, wow. cat yeah, on her body. You need to post that so we can see it. I will. And then I need you to reply and post a picture of yours, too, because, okay. oh, God, we love our Great Danes. Huge yes. animals, big lovers, but destructive, not only in the lawn, but uh You've got a one-year-old, so you might lose some shoes. You might lose some purses and hats along the way, but it's all worth it. <laughs> they outgrow the puppy phase uh, at about two years old. So how to repair the grass. My my advice to you, Shannon, because I have not been successful in this and I haven't been after it as much as I should, um, I think a warm season grass with a tight root system like a Bermuda or a Zoysia or something is going to be a little tougher as far as a turf that can tolerate that, I've got fescue and the the dirt's real loose. It stays really wet in my yard. So no matter when I let her out to run, she's always digging up ruts. And we do our best to stay on top of seeding that fescue twice a year. Um, we do the application like in October and then we're going to do it again coming up here in March or so, maybe even the end of February to oversee that fescue lawn. So at those times to make it worth your money, try to keep her off of it. You know, if there's one weekend where you can seed the back and then just have her run in the front, give it a couple of weeks. And then once you see some new growth and you've kind of given that seed a chance to not really be disturbed, then switch, alternate, and then go ahead and seed the front and let her out in the back. Um, or, I mean, I know this sounds silly and kind of stating the obvious here too, but a dog park. Um, we, we care about our animals and we want to exercise them, but also we care about the lawn and it's an investment. It's a lot of money that you're putting into that. So if you want to kind of keep the two separate, have her go run at the dog park, wear her out. Great Danes and larger dogs like that, my gosh, they just don't seem to need as much crazy, crazy energy. You know, one good afternoon at the dog park, maybe for an hour is going to wear her out to where she's not going to come home and need to run in your lawn. But um, those would be my recommendations and maybe also just kind of quartering off a section of the yard where the grass doesn't grow as well. Maybe it's closer to the wood line or you've got a couple of big oak trees or Bradford pears or magnolias or something where the grass is not growing really well. Train her to maybe run in those areas where it's better off that we're going to put something like mulch down or maybe you've even got moss growing, which that could actually, moss could accommodate the weight and the speed of a dog like that even a little bit better than um, a cool season grass like a fescue. That's just in my non-scientific opinion, in, in my experience, that's what I've noticed. The root system just doesn't seem as tight and as deep in fescue, so it's so much easier for her to cause ruts in that and, uh, and kick that up. And also, too, give the soil time to dry out and the yard time to dry out in between her runnings as well because that's really going to help everything kind of stay in place and not disrupt the soil as much when she's running on a hard, dry ground versus, um, you know, something that's still a little damp from a rain in the last day or two. So Shannon, I'm really glad you called. That's something to think about because that's something that we we face uh, each and every season. My husband and I pulling our hair out because uh, Shadow's feet are as big as my hand. So I see the ruts in the yard. But I'm going to post that picture. I'm going to post a picture of my dog Shadow uh, on the Green and Growing Facebook page. I haven't really talked about that this morning. But when you search Facebook, type Green and Growing WSB. 
and you're going to come up with the page. I'd love for you to like it or follow it. I've got a lot of good things on there, and I enjoy sharing things with you, whether it's pictures or news items or something like that. One of my most recent posts is about the uh, North Fulton Master Gardeners free virtual gardening education programs. Right now, the Cherokee County Master Gardeners, they have already begun offering some of their webinars as well. There was just one the other day, actually yesterday, as a matter of fact, um, seed starting and the week before that fruit tree pruning. There's so many free valuable resources available to you right now. And it's in the comfort of your own home because we can't be meeting as master gardener groups in person right now. So, so many of these local extension groups and master gardener groups are bringing stuff to you via their Facebook pages and their websites and things like that. So, kind of start poking around on Facebook or just on the internet. Find the local master gardeners near you and visit their websites, get their newsletters, and stay on top of some of the great programs they're offering. So for the North Fulton Master Gardeners, I've got the information right there for you to register for some of their uh, their series of classes coming up in the spring. That's something you definitely want to be a part of. All right, some final thoughts when we come back on Green and Growing. A check of traffic and weather is next on WSB. Waking up to cold temperatures and a little bit of an overcast sky. It may look that way for most of the day today. Your weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. A high only reaching in the low 50s today and lows around 42. Morning rain showers tomorrow up to 80% chance for most of us scattered throughout the afternoon. And sunshine returns in the forecast on Tuesday. Green, Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. So glad for Clint Waltz and Stan and Mike calling. We've had a good conversation today about Bermuda grasses. Uh, So that leads me to remind you, number one, it's a good time to get a soil test right now so you can get ready for that spring lawn that you've always dreamt of. They sell the kits at Pike Nursery or call 1-800-ASK-UGA-1 for the extension office near you. Uh, Before you take samples, though, to send them, remove the mulch or thatch before you dig. You want to move the stuff out of the way that's not really relevant. Um, Dig down in your lawn down to at least four inches in garden beds. If you want soil tests done there, they need about six inches deep. You have to take eight to ten samples from each section of your yard where you're looking to plant. And then you're going to mix those eight to ten samples together for really like a thorough look at what they want to see to give you a proper soil test and the results. And then they give you the results and kind of what it's deficient in and how you can provide those nutrients that it's lacking in. Uh, Number two, we had a great conversation with garden expert Joe Lample last week about starting seeds. So right now, my recommendation to you, go pick out seeds for your desired summer crops and ask around, see what varieties others have success with. And number two, we just talked to Kara Mulvey of Pike Nursery. Pay attention to your houseplants, whether it's succulents or something else. You're in the house a lot more because it's cold. So move the highlight houseplants around if necessary to make sure they're getting the most light possible. Be sure to be watering, but not too much. Some of them are like, set it and forget it. The less you think about them, the happier they are. And with the succulents too, they they hold that moisture in their leaves, so they're not going to need as much attention from us. Uh, Patricia in Loganville was calling about emerald green arborvitae and thinks they're dying. Patricia, I wanted to help you out with that, but we're running out of time. Just make sure you provide the proper water to those plants, just like Leland Cypress, when they're getting established. Keeping those actually a little more wet than dry 
is what's best. And uh, try to call back next Saturday. We will get to you. I'll put you first in line, Patricia, next Saturday, February 6th. A week from now, I'll be back on Green and Growing. Appreciate all of your calls and all of your great messages. Have a good week. I'll talk to you Monday morning. Triple Team Traffic on Atlanta's Morning News right here on WSB. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.